What's going on, guys? It's me, Stephen Bagel, a.k.a. the NB Eagle, your mom's favorite podcast. Sorry I haven't put out a pod in a little over a month. Um, I think I have a valid excuse. I'm studying for the bar exam, which is taking place October 5th, 6th, and 7th. It has been postponed three times, but that is the official date for it. And we have some big news for you guys today. With me, by back by popular demand, is the beautiful Alexa Rachel Kaiser, who is now my fiance. Yay! Woo! I grew the stones after six years to finally ask her to marry me, and she was dumb enough to say yes. So, with that said, we want to get into the coaching carousel today. Um, talk about all the job openings, who I think is going to be the best fit at each job. I want to get into the conference finals and who's going to win those, and that's going to put me into some off-season trade talk and free agent talk. And we have a busy slate today, so let's get it started. Talking about Steve Nash taking the Nets job. Crazy. It came, number one, it came completely out of left field. When I first heard the news, I was like, what the fuck, Steve Nash? Like, a head coach. Not saying he's not a good coach. Like, all great point guards usually are good coaches. But I just, he wasn't even on the coaching radar anywhere. But when you think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense. Sean Marks, who was the Nets general manager, he was teammates with Steve Nash during his MVP years in Phoenix. So they had a, per, a close personal connection. And then not only that, but Steve Nash was an advisor for the Warriors for the past few years. So he grew a relationship with Kevin Durant during those years. I also think that thinking of it from a different standpoint, that Steve Nash is going to be his first year coaching. You have KD and Kyrie, who are both problematic snakes, and I just think it gives... She ain't holding back. (laughs) I think it just gives them as players and the Nets as a team a scapegoat. And yeah, I feel first like, year head coach. And yeah, and I think that Steve Nash, I will guarantee, he's a player. Like, he knows that. He knows that he's a scapegoat, but I think that it's a smart move on the team, too, to do that. Because I don't know. I, I think it'll be interesting to see how he handles KD and Kyrie. Well, as you guys know, I do my mock offseason, my mock trade deadline, my mock draft. I kind of project everything going forward, what's going to happen before it happens. Obviously, it's very difficult to get a few things right where guys are going to sign and be traded to, let alone all of them. So I take credit on the few things I do get right because it is extremely difficult. So I started forecasting where I think some of these head coaches are going to go. I did this a few weeks ago, so... 
additional firings or additional um, coaching changes have happened since then. I originally did have Ty Lue projected to take the Nets job just because of his close relationship with Kyrie Irving. Obviously, that didn't happen. It's now Steve Nash. So let's look at some of these head coaching um, opportunities. We're kind of going to want to talk about if we were coaches in the league, how willing we would want it or how badly we would want these jobs. First, I want to start with the Chicago Bulls. I think those three possible candidates for that job. It's Ime Udoka, who is the head assistant coach for the Philadelphia 76ers. Another guy who came from the Greg Popovich tree. He's been assistant on Greg Popovich's bench for years. The other one being Kenny Atkinson, who the Brooklyn Nets just fired this season, and he is a great player development coach, so that'd be great for a team who's rebuilding, but also somewhat going to start trying to win now, because he is experienced doing both, both developing players, and he's taken them to the playoffs once. And then my third option is Billy Donovan, um, the coach that the Oklahoma City Thunder just let go and decided not to renew his contract recently. I ultimately think Kenny Atkinson is going to win the job, but I think those are by far the three most likely candidates to take the Chicago job. So, Alexa, if you were a coach, I mean, there's some great coaching opportunities out there. There's the Pelicans and the opportunity to coach Zion. There's the opportunity to coach Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. If you see a fit, though, if you think those two players could work together, that's a pretty interesting job for you to take. The Houston Rockets, you have Russell Westbrook and James Holden. OKC's probably overachieved this year and is going to come back down to earth next year, just given that they're not going to re-sign Gallinari, given they're likely going to trade Chris Paul. So I don't know how interesting that job is. The Indiana Pacers have two All-Stars in DeMontis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo. I can't remember the last time there were this many intriguing job opportunities and once for coaches. But I think there's a lot of intriguing opportunities because there's so much talent in the league. Even on teams that aren't that great right now, like there's immense talent on there that I feel like as a coach who maybe is looking for a challenge... It's fine. Like, there's a lot of good opportunities. So that's my next question. Do you want to take a job opportunity in Chicago where there isn't much talent, when there's so many, so much other talent? Well, I think Chicago still has the name there. Like, they still I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's one of the big markets. Yes. So I think that is a plus. I think that going to a team that is developing is a little bit... No. I want to say it's it's like yeah it is less pressure because it's not like you you have no expectations to win or anything yeah like that. so I think that's helpful too at the same time I mean you want to win like I feel I mean like yeah every coach wants, wants to win. win but I think it's a cool I think it's really cool because you can be a part of growing and developing these guys' careers and like really turning a team around. So, I, I don't know. I think it depends on each individual coach and how they coach. And the what those specialties are. Like, what as I said, Kenny are. Atkinson is known for player development, which exactly. is why I think he's the best candidate for well, the Bulls. And that's why, too, like, I don't know. You look at some coaches and you're like, oh, do they even want to go there? Because... If you're not someone who wants to, if you're work someone on, like if you're someone like Brett Brown, do you want to go through another not a process because it's not to the same extent? Players. He he probably I'm not saying he doesn't, but I'm just saying you just went through a 19, 18, and 10 win season your first three years as a head coach, and 26 win season your fourth year, and then you had three winning seasons, obviously. 
but do you really want to go through another rebuild? You know and obviously, the Bulls are farther along than the Sixers were when they hired him. Well, that's why, like, I wonder... You said... I can't say his name. Ime... Ime Odoka. Okay. Ime Odoka. <laughs> like, is he going to get fired? I mean... I thought they were going to clean house. Usually, coaches bring on their own staffs. So the Sixers hire Ty Lue, they, so you think they hire Dan Tony. To hire them and then they're going to... Like, he was with the Spurs for years because Popovich stayed the coach and kept his coaching staff together. Mm-hmm. And then Brett Brown offered him a job to be his head assistant. Now, whoever the Sixers are going to hire, whether it be D'Antonio, whether it be Ty Lue, or whether it be someone else, they're going to bring in their own guy. Because not I like to keep. see him have a head coaching job. I mean, the, he was the favorite originally for the Bulls job before Kenny Atkinson and yeah. Billy Donovan got fired. So you think he's just going to get screwed? Yeah. I think Kenny Atkinson's the guy for the job, though. Yeah, I agree. With but you. it's going to definitely be one of those three. Okay, now that we spent so much time on the Bulls, let's go to OKC. They just let go of Billy Donovan, and basically they said, okay, well, we mutually agree not to. Um, they always say mutually agree. I don't know if they just said they don't want to bring it back and then say, we'll just put out in the media that was a I mutual mean, I thing. I think them mutually agreeing is them sitting them down and being like, you're gone, okay, we let you know, and that's their agreement. Which is weird because... On ESPN, they had the um all the coaches vote for Coach of the Year, and while Nick Nurse won Coach of the Year in the actual award, Billy Donovan won it for among the NBA coaches but because did, of how much OKC overachieved this year. But did OKC overachieve because of Billy Donovan's coaching or Chris Paul's coaching? I mean, Billy Donovan's a good coach. I, I know, so. but that's my question: that had Chris Paul not been there. Would it still? I mean, I guess that's a different question know. entirely. I'm not in the locker room, so it's hard for me to specifically but you know. know. Chris Paul's it's the same coach. thing. People, you know, he's like a player coach there. Yeah. You can see how he. But you you could coach on the floor and still let the head coach on the bench do their job. There's a bench coach and there's a floor general. Those they're two different positions, and that's why so many teams. Need a LeBron James, need a Chris Paul, need an adequate point guard, need a Steve Nash all those years when Steve Nash played. So, as I love OKC, they're our team. OKC, Mike Muscala hit that pick to let the Sixers get the 21st pick in the draft. So, shout out to them. I've been rooting for them all year. I think that they're going to give Mike Muscala the coaching job. Oh, yeah. Because he's racist as shit. He'll only play the white guys. We just went there. Sorry, <laughs> his his dad is racist. My bad. Um, okay, I just didn't expect you to say that. Well, that is not why I'm saying that. I do not condone that. No, I think that he's really good at making decisions late in the game well, for his old team. Well, if he missed that shot, they would have stayed in the same draft position, same um, playoff spot. So they would have played the Rockets either way, and they would have kept their first round pick. So he should have literally missed that shot. But anyway, especially for a team who's tanking and has 12 first round picks in the next six drafts. Anyway. Who do you have? This is the only one I don't have just because, as I said, I did my mock. I started my mock offseason and projected coaching changes about three weeks ago. And Billy Donovan, I really wasn't expecting to be let go, even though his contract was up. Well, where do you think he's going to go? Is he going to go somewhere? If Billy Donovan does go to Chicago, I don't think he has a job this year. 
I think OKC is going to hire someone like Adrian Griffin, who is the head assistant on Nick Nurse's staff in Toronto, or Dervin Ham, who is the head assistant for Budenholzer in the Bucks. I think they're going to go with someone like that, someone who's never coached before, but they want to give it to an up-and-coming coach to help develop guys like Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Lou Dort and Darius Basley, so and they had 12 draft picks coming in, yeah. Which Billy Donovan would have been a good coach for a tanky team, given he was one of the best college coaches at the University of Florida. He coached national championship teams with Al Horford and Joe Kim Noah and Corey Brewer. Yeah, I think it's weird that he lost his job. Eh, well... Some... But you don't know why, like, we just discussed the whole, like... Mutual agreement. I mean, maybe he wanted Another out. guy I'd like for OKC would be Dave Yeager. For those of you who don't remember, Dave Yeager was the Kings coach, not this season, but last season, when the Kings were projected to be the worst team in the league and finishes the ninth seed in the West and almost made the playoffs. Yeah, what's he doing? He's not doing anything. He's not trying to get a coaching job, I guess. He's not commentating. He's not doing anything. Hanging out with her. So Dave Yeager would be another guy I totally um, wouldn't be shocked to see OKC hire. Next, I have Houston. And Houston, I think, is going to be another team that comes down to three guys. Houston, I've been saying D'Antoni wasn't going to stay. They made that clear last year when they didn't sign him to an extension and said, okay, we'll let you coach out your last year um, your last year of your contract. So um, once that happened, it was pretty clear that this is going to be D'Antoni's last year. So I think there's three guys that really intrigue me for Houston. Sam Cassell, who is one of the... Everyone knows the former uh, Timberwolves point guard, and he's a current assistant on Doc Rivers' staff in for the Clippers. Number two, which is my pick, which nobody is talking about, and I'm very surprised no one's talking about it, Steven Silas. He is the offensive coach for, like, the offensive coordinator, basically, for the Dallas Mavericks. And the Dallas Mavericks this year... Dallas Mavericks this year had the best offense ever. Historically good offense based on, like, points per possession and offensive rating and all those metrics. Mm -hmm. So the Mavs had a historically good offense. No one's more up-tempo aside from the Mavs and the Houston Rockets. That would be fun. Not only that... But Steven Silas interviewed for the job in 2016 when they hired D'Antoni and was the runner-up for the job. And he never got a head coaching job since. So, so now I think Houston's going to give him his chance. Is, did Houston get rid of um, D'Antoni because of his contract and because they didn't want to pay him? Or was it because of his coaching techniques? Like, I just think... I don't know. Because if they're looking for something different for a coach... Then maybe they would stray away. It's from weird because D'Antoni and the Rockets are like a match made in heaven. I know. His coaching style and their play style. But that's why I'm wondering, since he's so exactly what those players do, I'm wondering if they're going to try and get a more defensive-minded coach in there to balance out the team with the coach. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they used to have one of the most... um, Defend the best defensive coach in the league. Because imagine if a team like the Rockets had a coach that was constantly thinking of defense instead of offense. They're good at offense. They're going to be good at offense even if their coach, even if I coach them, I don't know what I'm doing. So if you had a defensive-minded coach in there, basically being like an additional player almost, like to think for them, that could be really cool. But also, 
can't. I think Steven Silas is a cheap. I think Steven Silas is a cheaper version of what D'Antoni would give them. And as I said, he was a runner-up for that job in 2016. So I think they're going to give him the chance. And nobody's talking about it. I'm the only one I've heard that talked about Steven Silas. Um. And then my third option, I've heard some buzz about Jeff Van Gundy returning to Houston. He coached there in the early 2000s. I don't know if Jeff Van Gundy wants to come back to coaching. I'm sure for an opportunity like Houston, he would. Mm-hmm. How willing are you, if you're a head coach, to want to take the Houston job? James Harden is 31 now. Russell Westbrook is 30. Russell Westbrook, yeah. Russell Westbrook played terrible in the Lakers series. And he, they're I not fits next to each other. I think that's a wasted job because you're not getting the benefits of being on a team that like is gonna win, and you're also not getting the benefits of a team that you're like just developing players for the future. So I feel like by taking this coaching job, you're only gonna get criticized for not making it to the championship. So maybe that's why D'Antoni wanted to leave. That's why. Well, now there's a bunch of speculation that they're going to trade Russell Westbrook this offseason already after giving up Chris Paul and two first-round picks for him. He can't shoot, so he's a horrible fit next to Harden. He's a historically bad shooter. He's turning it over at a horrible rate. His, his age has caught up to him, so his athleticism, which is what made him so dominant and so good, isn't there anymore. Or is that just because of his role in the team that is showing like that? I don't know. Chris because Chris Paul, Paul, Chris Paul looked old, yeah. Team and look at him now. Maybe it's just when James Harden is so ball dominant, it's mm-hmm. like these players just can't play off ball. So I mean, like I feel like Harden is almost better in a league where you're pairing up so many stars together. And he might be like, better off alone. Yeah, I feel like he would shine being by himself and then just having assets all around him. Maybe we should coach the Rockets. Should we coach the Rockets? I could be the GM and you can coach. Because okay. I need to fix a team to get Russell Westbrook off of there. And then... So I'll just do the scapegoat? Yeah, I guess. And then people will just yell at First me, woman head coach in the NBA, whatever. And I'll just be like, okay. Yep. Yep. Okay, next <laughs> job we have is the Philadelphia 76ers. Ooh. My original mock offseason, I paid Ime Udoka being promoted mm-hmm. to the head coach. That doesn't look like it's going to happen. It's it looks like... It's definitely not going to happen. They're cleaning house. He would have been offered the job already if that's what was going to happen. It looks like it's going to be one of two people, either Ty Lu or Mike D'Antoni. Ty Lu, Ty Lu was the um, the original reported guy the Sixers were targeting, and then all of a sudden D'Antoni came available, and then Roche tweeted that D'Antoni's the target for the Sixers. D'Antoni basically... Um, was a Sixers assistant coach in 2015 before he took the Rockets job when Adam Silver forced Hinky out of Philly and forced Brian Colangelo along us, or forced Jerry Colangelo along us, who then forced Brian Colangelo along us, and then he also forced D'Antoni onto Brett Brown's staff. So D'Antoni already has experience coaching Joel Embiid, so I don't know if he enjoyed it or not, but given a coach that just coached so much small ball with playing P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington at the five... Is he really going to want to take on a team that's the complete opposite, that has Embiid and Al Horford and Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris? I'm not so sure that's a great fit. But he's a great uh, offensive-minded coach. He might be able to be the one to get Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to fit together. And that's exactly what I was saying about the Rockets, though. If you take someone 
that thinks the opposite of how the team already naturally plays, that can actually work perfectly for the team. And I feel like we also need a coach to just like kick Ben Simmons' ass. And honestly, to kick all of their asses and like, just they need to get it together. And they need someone that Ben Simmons and be like too. And someone that is it going to take shit from them? And more importantly, they need someone that Embiid likes because he's the one that's going to be here. Ben Simmons is more or less, in our opinion, Alexa, we have talked about this before, um, uncoachable. We've heard multiple assistant coaches in interviews for Philadelphia say, yeah, we ask him to shoot every day in practice. He refuses to do it. I don't know he what else we can do. Before the game to the, what is it called, like coaches? It was called Coach's Corner, and it's season ticket holders get to ask, um, ask an assistant coach. Like, it's basically a press conference. And Jim O'Brien was the assistant coach. Jim O'Brien, for those of you who don't remember him, he was the Sixers head coach in the early 2000s, and now he's an assistant coach. And we were, like, in a room, and people got to ask questions, and of course, and I'm sure he knew this was coming, too, um, this guy that was in the room with us just asked him, like, why is Ben Simmons not shooting threes, and, like, what are you going to do to, like, make him do that? And, and he said, you have any suggestions? I have no idea. That is so horrifying for someone. Ella has a really big opinion on this. She's really frustrated, too. Right, Ella? She's frustrated. We're all frustrated. But I think that's so horrifying because you know that all of these people being in the entertainment field are being coached by some PR person. And... I mean, are assistant coaches as... Are they told what to say as much as, like, the players or, like, Brett Brown? Probably not. But to hear someone say that and him genuinely be right in front of us and be, like, so confused as to what to do, that's a player problem. And that's something that I think they've just, like, given up on. We were just talking about it earlier. We were like, they need a coach to basically tell Ben Simmons... You're shooting each game. If you don't, I'm benching you. And that's. And then when he doesn't shoot, you fucking bench him. Yeah, because that sucks for the team. I mean, Ben Simmons is a fantastic player, but you need to show him that you can't just do whatever you want because you think you're a star. Because guess what? You're not really a star the way you're playing. And. Defensive star. We'll give you that. I'm not going to say anything like. Post team all defense. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to. That's why it's so tough, though, because he's so incredible at what he does but him not shooting it's it's an issue now before i was like oh you can go around it but it's a huge issue and like he looks like a coward and after he made his second three of the season against who was it, the Cavs or the Knicks i know he made i don't know, I don't know one he hit a three against the Cavs and hit a three against the Knicks after he hit a second after he hit his three against the second team Brett Brown that day in the press conference said tell his agent tell his family tell his brothers tell his sisters tell everybody tell his agents he needs to shoot threes he needs to shoot two threes a game and that pissed Ben Simmons off so much he did not shoot another three the rest of the season it's just it's so bizarre to me because I do think um and we heard from a close source to Ben Simmons that he, at the beginning of the season, that he was going to be shooting threes, and he was telling everyone that he was going to be shooting. And then when the moment came, it was, so he saw I, he saw a sports psychologist for the problem over the um 
over the pandemic. I so clearly, it's something that. Well, and I have no doubt in my mind. I mean, there's videos of him shooting them at practice. I don't think that they're just taking videos of him, or his team is just taking videos of him shooting a three and posting it online. Do I think they're posting them more? Yeah. But I don't think it's just him saying, yeah, 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 I'm going to shoot, knowing that he's not going to. I truly think he, in his mind, is saying, I'm going to shoot them, and he just doesn't. So they need someone to really tell them how serious they are. And I think us discussing D'Antoni and Tyron Lowe, they both seem like coaches that are going to do that, even though it seemed like Ty Lue wasn't really the main coach with the Cavs. See, people say that, and I thought that for a while too, but a story I heard with Ty Lue was one of his first games as the Cavs coach. LeBron took the clipboard and was drawing up a play. Ty Lue grabbed the clipboard from him and said, what are you doing? I'm the fucking coach, not you. So Ty Lue seems like someone who, at the very least, is at least going to demand the respect from his players and show, okay, I'm the coach, you're not. And that's something that Ben Simmons might need because Brett Brown, and same with Embiid, Brett Brown was the buddy. He was the friend. He never really, um, you know, he never disciplined them. No one the way. was held accountable. They yeah. all said that about him. And I love Brett Brown, but it's very, you can see that's very true. Like, even in his, like, press conferences after games, like, he never blamed the players. He always talked about himself or them as a team, what they could have done better. Like, you need to say, like, you don't want to put your players down, but you need to say, yeah, and be wasn't playing well that game. Like, you need to hold specific people accountable for not doing their job. And I think also with Tyron Luke, the reason why it was like, oh, LeBron's the coach, LeBron's the coach, it's LeBron James. Yeah. We don't have LeBron James on our team. Like, I think it's, I don't know. I think Tyron Lue has a better chance of being able to take the lead and coach. Ty Lue can demand the locker room, or yeah. command the locker room the way Brett Brown couldn't. Yeah. So at the least, for that reason, as much as I don't like him as a coach, I think he'd be an upgrade for that specific reason alone. Okay, next, we well, still... Who do we think going to get it? What is it? Who's going to get the job? Who do you think? I think it's going to be Ty Lue. I want D'Antoni. I think the Sixers have a preference of D'Antoni. But our next team we have up, the New Orleans Pelicans, I think D'Antoni makes a lot of sense there. So for that reason, I think D'Antoni take, has the choice between Sixers' job and Pelicans' job, and he'll take the Pelicans' job over the Sixers' job. And then the Sixers will have to settle for Ty Lue. I think that he is going to take the Sixers' job because I still think even though the Pelicans have, like, almost, like, the perfect team for him, and I love the Pelicans, I've said this in the past, I think that they, you do have to develop them, obviously. Like and he's Ty, 71. He doesn't want to develop. Yes, he wants to win. Whereas the Sixers, it's more just, like, piecing the team together still, figuring out the whole Joel, Ben thing. Like, the pieces are there. You just have to make it work. And I think that if he can make it work for the team, I mean, they can win. They could win next year if they have the right coach and the right assets on the team. But I think the Pelicans, like, they're going to have to wait a little more. So I think 
I don't know. I think it's going to be D'Antoni. I think that's insane. I hope it's D'Antoni. I really hope it's D'Antoni. I'm so excited. But I think that him and the Pelicans make a lot of sense together. The Pelicans were one of the most um, up-tempo teams in the league this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the offense would fit really well. And not only that, we saw how well the Rockets were able to play small ball with P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington at the five. I think Zion Williamson is going to be the best in the NBA playing the five and playing small ball lineups, the same way Draymond Green benefits so well from it. So if Zion is that great at playing small ball, why not bring in the coach who has experience with it and can implement that? So that's what I think. Um, I think the Pelicans is more of an intriguing job than the Sixers are. But at the same time, it depends what the coach wants. I agree with Alexa. D'Antoni is 71 years old. He might just want to say what's going to put me in the best position to win the championship. And he knows if not just the teams alone, the Sixers are going to be more competitive next year and probably the following year because the Pelicans will take time to develop. But D'Antoni knows. I've never coached an Eastern Conference before. I've only coached Western Conference teams. Eastern Conference is easier to win. I have a shot at championship in the East. So that's his thinking. Finally, we have the Indiana Pacers. They are another team that had been linked to Mike D'Antoni. They're two guys that they've been going after. Mike D'Antoni is one of them reported. The other one, and the one I think ultimately ends up as being the coach, though, is Chauncey Billups. Future Hall of Fame point guard. He was considered for general manager positions, um, most recently of Cleveland before they hired Kobe Altman. And... Yeah, that's Why just. Why would he want to take the coaching position if he's being considered for GM a GM position? I think it's a preference of what he wants to do. Does he want to be a coach? Or does he want to be a GM? Okay. I'm just yeah. No. I, I I would imagine a coaching job is more prestigious than a general manager job to candidates. I would rather be a GM because I like the analytical aspect and the business aspect and all that. And while I do watch a lot of basketball and know the NBA well, I'm, I don't know how to coach a basketball team. Mm-hmm. I, I can't draw up the X's and O's. Yeah. But I know how to put a team together. I know what pieces fit together, what players do well with what. I know what roles every player needs to play on the team. So I would prefer a GM role, but I would imagine for Chauncey Billups, he would prefer to be a head coach over a general manager. And that's something the Pacers would do. The Pacers hired Larry Bird to be their coach once upon a time. They hired Isaiah Thomas to be their coach once upon a time. They are known for taking former Hall of Fame players and make, turning them into coaches. So Chauncey Billups would just be another one of those guys. Has that worked for them in the past? Has, has it been a successful thing? I mean, the Pacers are always in the middle of the pack. No matter who's on the team, they are always a 3-4-5-6 seed. They never get to the championship, they never miss the playoffs. That's, the Pacers are the like, epitome of that. They, I think, made the playoffs, I think, 18 out of the last 22 years, which is pretty impressive. But they have one finals run in that time, and no championships. God, that's like so boring to be a fan of, though. Well, that's why a lot of teams start tanking now, because <laughs> they don't want to stay mediocre. They want to tank in order to get the young talent well, in order to compete. Like, tanking teams are so fun to watch too because all because it's so young so young and young guys put so much effort into the game and like there's no pressure like oh that sucks that just sucks like being in that position every year it's boring because you know you're not gonna win so there's a lot of guys i have that are gonna have to sit out a year or two in order to get coaching jobs i have alvin gentry who just got fired from the pelicans 
Nate McMillan, who just got fired from the Pacers. Brett Brown, who just got fired from the Sixers. Jason Kidd, I don't think, is going to get a job this year. Um, I said Adrian Griffin or Dervin Ham are going to go to the Thunder, but whichever one of them don't go to the Thunder aren't going to get a job this year. They're going to be stuck as assistants still. There's a lot of guys. Um, Becky Hammond for the Spurs. I'm sure she'll get some interviews. But a lot of these people, Dave Yeager hasn't had a job in two years now. David Fisdale is going to be on his second year without a job. I mean, she'll have her same job. But, but yeah, she's not gonna. I don't think she's gonna have a coaching job. And I think when Popovich retires, it looks like Tim Duncan is lined for that job over Becky Hammond. Not cool. Okay, speaking of coaches, I think they would have done it by now if they were gonna do it. But is there any shot Mike Budenholzer gets fired from the box? Oh my god, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I was just gonna ask you that. We discussed Budenholzer too. And I think he is a regular season coach and a fantastic one at that. One of the best. Fantastic. But we've been saying, and if you've been listening to our podcast, we frequently say we don't understand how the Bucks are as good as they are during regular season. And even predicting, like, how many games they're going to win, what, like, before the season starts, like... You never would expect the Bucks to be that good, even though they have Giannis, just because of, like, who's on their team. And it shows how great he is, but, like, he blew it. Like, I feel like... He looked like someone who didn't want to be there anymore. What happened with the Bucks this this postseason, I think, is worse than what happened to the Sixers, because the Sixers played bad, like, all season, and you know Sixers that, didn't have the expectations going to the playoffs. You knew that they had issues. You knew that Brett Brown had issues. You knew everyone had issues with the team, so there was no expectations there. If you're watching the Bucks and they have, like, a perfect regular season, basically, and then they come to the offseason and do this two years in a row, that's a coaching issue because I don't think it's a player issue, even though some people choke. I don't think it's a player issue because they've shown during the regular season how well they can play together. So that's a coaching thing. That you can't that you can't adjust to the playoffs. And that you're getting out coach. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I think he's getting out coach. Well he was going against Spolstra this year and Spolstra we know is a top what five coach in the league, but if not better? And then last year, last year you could say he was out coached by Nick Nurse, who was a rookie head coach at the time. But Nick Nurse is the single handedly best coach in the NBA but this year. Why is he able to do that during the regular season, and then he chokes during the playoffs? He can't make the adjustments when guys are double, triple teaming Giannis and forcing him to shoot and not letting him get to the rim. And Giannis has no supporting cast around him. I would fire him unless Giannis, because they're obviously trying to keep him on the team. Unless Giannis is like, no, you get rid of him, I'm definitely out. I would keep him. Because, like, See, obviously, the- obviously Giannis is saying, I want to keep him, you keep him. But, like, I would fire him. The a report came out today saying that Giannis met with the Bucks management and ownership. And they basically said, okay, fine, we're going to be willing to go into the luxury tax to get you the pieces that you need. But like no shit, they should be doing that. They're doing it a year too late. I was thinking that too. They let Malcolm. They already let Malcolm Brogdon walk. How are they going to sign the guy to go into luxury tax when they have no cap space? I would be. They have the opportunity to go into luxury tax and keep Malcolm Brogdon, who in the playoffs was the second best player. 
They chose to sign out, but so to an extension. It's insulting. It's really insulting, and it's too late. And if I'm honest, I'm going to say, okay, Thanks, but no thanks. But no, I'm just, yeah, you're going to be like... No, I'm going to say, okay, fine, we're on the luxury tax, so the cat books fuck the following years. And then when I leave, they're going to be nothing. Yeah. I don't know if Yance is a good dude. I don't know if he wants to do that to his boy Chris Middleton and all that, but... But they're saying it now. But they're saying they're saying they're going to sell the luxury tax a year too late. They have the opportunity to go into the luxury tax to re-sign Malcolm Brogdon. Eric Bledsoe chokes in the playoffs every single year. He's not a playoff player. Chris Middleton is good. He's an all-star in the regular season, but he's not a second-best player on a championship team in the playoffs. And he's shown that time and time again. Malcolm Brogdon was the second-best player on this team last year in the playoffs. They chose to let him walk, and not only that, they chose Eric Bledsoe over Malcolm Brogdon because they gave Eric Bledsoe a $68 million extension during the year and then let Brogdon walk to get a first-round pick and two second-rounders. But that's what I'm saying. So you can clearly see that they last year's Bucks team could have won the championship this year. If you had Brogdon on that team, you had Brogdon, Bledsoe, Middleton, Giannis. That team could win it all without they Brogdon. Like, they choked too. They choked last year, yeah. But Toronto was playing out of their mind in the playoffs when they won. When they won four in a row, they couldn't beat Kawhi. Kawhi was the best player on that series. This year, Giannis. You can't tell me Jimmy Butler was the best guy in that series. He played like the best player on that series, but Giannis was clearly the best player on that series, and he would have been against Boston as well. Last year, Giannis was not the best player. Last year, Giannis was not the best player in the series. Giannis was the best player in the series because of the issues he had defensively. But when you're the only player that's able to do anything on your team, like you're last year, last year the Bucks lost because Kawhi was the better player in the series over Giannis. That's why they lost four in a row after going up two nothing. This year there was no excuse. Giannis was the best player in the series. And I truly think that, like, clearly the owners of this team are just like scrambling right now and just doing anything to please Giannis and make him happy. That I really think it's going to come down to them being like. Do you want a different coach? Because, like, you can see that they're doing anything they can to keep him there. And, like, for all we know, Giannis could be like, yeah, keep him. And then he leaves. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to ask this rhetorically because I already know your answer. Where's Giannis going? I don't know. You do know. I don't know. And you're dying to say it, so say it. I don't know. Where's Giannis going? Alexa... Has it's it's a good theory if you understand basketball, which a lot of people on Twitter do not. It makes a lot of sense. I have six teams Giannis could go to. I had the Bucks as the favorite going into this year just because they were the incumbents. Now I have them third. I have the Heat number one. I have the Raptors number two because of his relationship with Masai Ujiri. I have the Bucks three just because they weren't the incumbents, so they need to be top three. Then I have the Warriors 4, the Sixers 5, and the Lakers 6. Okay, I would like to talk. Okay. <laughs> I believe Giannis is coming to the Sixers, and I'm not saying that because I'm a Sixers fan. I'm saying that because I'm a psychic. <laughs> this is where all of our listeners just shut off the podcast. But have I not predicted players in the past? Alexa said when Jimmy Butler requested a trade, she said Jimmy Butler's going to or he's going to be traded here. I also said before he even requested a trade that he would be a great fit on the Sixers. I could see him playing. She predicted game. JJ Redick signing here the summer he was a free agent. I said when everyone was like LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard's coming to the Sixers, blah 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 blah. I said 
know it. No, that's not gonna happen. I was right. I said, "Do you say Al Horford?" No. I said Al Horford. I said that too. So this is obviously another level, but I think it makes sense. He has a family. He's expressed. He. I mean, I think he just wants to be somewhere that's good for his family. A family. He has yeah. a girlfriend and a kid. His family. That's a family. I guess. Do we not have a family. We have a dog. We have a family. Yeah. We're engaged. They're not even engaged. I don't care. They okay. have a kid. You're, you're, being, <laughs> you're being really rude. But he wants a good fan base, too. And you can just see his eyes when he plays us and, like, looks at Embiid and, like, looks at us as fans. Like, he just wants to be here. But aside from that, if we're using process of elimination, first thing you have is the heat, correct? Mm-hmm. I think looking at the heat, I get it. Um, because they're phenomenal right now. And... And imagine how good they would be with him. Yes. Jimmy Bubba's not the best player on a championship team, but he could be the second best player on a championship team. But here are my issues with that. Jimmy Butler wants to be... Number one, Jimmy Butler wants to be the star of his team. He doesn't work well when there's someone who outshines him. And that... Even though I get it, going into it, oh my God, there's no problems, whatever... We felt the same way in Philly, and clearly there were issues between him and Ben Simmons. Him and Embiid got along well, which was a surprise, but who knows in the future if that would have continued. So I think that's number one. I think that could be a red flag for Giannis, seeing Jimmy Butler's past. Now, let's say they're best friends behind the scenes. We don't know. Okay, whatever. Number two, they look like a nearly perfect team as they are right now. I do think they need one more piece, but I don't think that piece is... But that missing piece could be someone like Oladipo, who they've shown a huge affection towards, and as they approach 2021 free agency, will they have a max contract? Also, what will they need to give up to get Giannis on the team? They should have the cap space. They could sign him. Just sign him. But the thing is, they only have the cap space if... Bam on a buyer doesn't sign an extension. Mm-hmm. Bam could say, if you don't sign me to an extension, I'm requesting a trade. Then all of a sudden he'd say, shit, we're going to have to sign Bam to an extension. Then they don't have the cap space. Mm-hmm. What I think they're going to do is, depending how good Bam's agent is, I don't know who his agent is, but Bam could say, you know what? In the long run, this is to get Giannis or Oladipo or another star here. I'm fine with being the third piece of the big three and waiting for my contract. Or Bam could say, Bam doesn't have an injury history. But Bam could say, oh shit, if I get hurt, I have no protection. I need to get a contract now. But Bam's not like Embiid. He's not a player who's injury prone. So I don't think um, it would really be an issue for him to wait a year to get a contract. Because Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn are both going to be free agents also in 2021. But they have such low cap holds, all three of them, that they will still have a max contract slot. That they could sign a max free agent like Giannis or Oladipo and then still sign... um, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, and Bam Adebayo, all the contracts. Who's that? Who? I don't know. I've never heard of that guy in my life. His agent is Alex Saratsis. I've never heard of him. If you're listening, we'd love to have you on the pod, Alex. Okay. But, yeah. So, for all those reasons, I believe it's just not going to work out there. Okay. So, let me... Break this down for you guys. Because also, they don't have fans. 
They had fans. Well, when, no they had fans when LeBron and D Wade were there. I'm sure if Giannis comes there, they're gonna have fans. But they're fake fans. Okay, but it doesn't matter. Those people. They're fake fans. Okay. Even the, the Lakers have real fans. The Lakers have a split between fake fans and real fans. The Sixers have real fans. We have some fake fans. Real fans that are disgusted with Which the product that the so team is making. But anyway. <laughs> Let's break this down for people who don't understand the salary cap and cast because m- most people don't. A lot of casual NBA fans don't understand how what it would take for each team to get Giannis. The Heat could outright sign him. The Raptors, assuming they let Fred VanVleet walk this summer or Kyle Lowry next summer, I think they're going to re-sign VanVleet this summer, then let Kyle Lowry walk, only if they could get Giannis. If not, they'll re-sign Kyle Lowry. But they would have the cast space to just sign Giannis as well. Yeah, my the Raptors, I don't really have a good argument for. My only argument. The, uh, he would want to stay in America. That's the argument. That's literally my only argument for him. But Masai, he has a great relationship with Masai yeah. Ujiri. He knows Masai Ujiri could put a winning team around him. Which when we've discussed it depends. Before, I personally feel like he has a better chance of going to the Raptors rather than the Heat. I think Giannis has to look at the Raptors and say. How much better is Siakam than Chris Middleton? And how much better does he fit with him? Because Chris Middleton's a better fit with Giannis, but Siakam's a better player. Mm-hmm. But Siakam's a great versatile defender. Giannis is a great defender. Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry could both hold their own defensively, assuming whichever one's on the team. Um, who else? Norman Powell, I think they might be able to re-sign if he opts out of his player option that year in 2021. I don't know if Ibaka or Marcus All would be willing to sign a one-year contract, but if they get Marcus All, that's another great defender. Oh, I thought of another reason he's not going to the Heat. Because he's not a snake. He's not Kevin Durant. But Kevin Durant, it's it's different. It was in the conference finals. He never went to the conference finals. And he didn't blow a three-to-one lead to that team. But, like, that, like, you should have won. It's different. You should have won. It's you different. were the best team during the regular season. You should have won. I, I, I understand it's different, and KD is a completely different person, but I just always think that looks bad going to a team that you just lost to. That's my Well, opinion. just lost to. He's going to play next year for the box unless he requests a trade. They just lost to them. So, like, it would be a different year. <laughs> but the reason I say the Sixers or the Warriors is only because two reasons. Giannis, keep in mind those, I think I counted it up, 22 or 23 teams that had cast space in 2021 because everyone's free agent in 2021. We have Giannis, Bradley Beal, LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George, Oladipo, um, who the fuck else? Everyone is a free agent in 2021, and most free agents this summer, I think, are going to sign one-year deals because no one's going to want to commit long-term money to guys unless... You know, I think Fred Van Viet's going to get a four-year deal. And I think... Who else do I have going somewhere? Van Vliet. I have Gallinari only signing a one-year deal. So I think a guy like Fred Van Vliet, sure, he's going to get a four-year deal. But other than him, I think most guys are going to take one-year deals. And the 2021 draft class is going to be historically good. And I think 22 or 23 teams are going to have cap space out of 30. So that gives Giannis... Well, I'm saying that's 22 teams with cap space. That doesn't mean they all have max contract slots. I would have to figure out exactly how many would have a max contract slot. But figure 10 or 12 do. Giannis is going to have his choice of all these teams. A lot of them being bad. So how many is he realistically going to consider outside of Miami and Toronto? That brings me to the Warriors and the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Who, they make sense because they only have the two enticing pieces for Giannis in a signing trade. 
The Warriors would give Klay Thompson for Giannis. And the Sixers, which makes a hell of a lot of sense, is Ben Simmons for Giannis. So going to the Warriors, I think... I don't know. I just feel like you need to surround Giannis with as many shooters as you can. And so I think the idea of taking a piece off that team that's been so vital to them being successful and, like, play and step and just, like, how they play together is so perfect that removing that part from the team, yes, of course, you still have step on the team. I don't know. I don't know if I would love that as Giannis, but that's still... But, like, it's Giannis. Yeah. This is... Consensus top three player. I don't know if he's the best, second best, third best. Him, LeBron, and Kawhi, well, but and, and Kevin Durant. That they if he's healthy, make basically whoever they have on their team work. I just think with Giannis and Steph, that would be so dominant, and Steph would be the perfect running mate with Giannis. So good. So I understand not wanting to split up the Splash Brothers, and I mean, hey, maybe they'll be that loyal to Clay Thompson. They'll say no, we're not trading Clay. But to get if Giannis says I want to go here, no, I think that's the only option because the Bucks aren't taking thirty-two-year-old Draymond at that point. They're not going to take Andrew Wiggins. The only way to make the signing trade work is if, unless, unless the Warriors use the number two pick this year and take like Lamelo Ball or someone, or or whoever it is. If it's James Wiseman, Lamelo Ball, anything else, whoever the Warriors take it to, Obi Toppin, whoever it is, and they have a good rookie year. And then Giannis says, I want to come here. Mm-hmm. Then they say, okay, we'll attach the rookie with Wiggins or Draymond. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you have Giannis, Steph, and Clay. But I also think that... But they'd have, to, they'd have to win, like, rookie of the year rookie. That's how I good they'd have to be. I think that trading Giannis for Clay isn't that bad because... Steph so is a perfect running mate with Giannis. But also there's so many players that can shoot now. Not like Clay, obviously. He's one of the best shooters ever. But there's so many players that can do that. That can still be that guy to shoot if Steph isn't playing. Or you could get shooters that. anywhere. Exactly. There's so many guys so that can not shoot. It's that big of a deal either. So I actually like that too. Now with the Sixers, I know I have a few friends that said you only saying Giannis could go to the Sixers because you're a Sixers fan. But realistically, guys, who else would make sense with the signing trade other than the Sixers? You see Giannis, how well he does surrounded by shooters, which make up for his deficiencies as a shooter. Imagine Ben Simmons in the same system, surrounded and, by shooters. And this is a balanced trade, too. It's not, really but, is. like, people are probably thinking, well, that's not a fair trade, Giannis, to Ben Simmons. Giannis but is so much better than Ben Simmons. Uh, it's not. But, but, given, but given that you have, Giannis is clearly better than Ben Simmons. Yeah, and I, I, know, I know you're saying that. Well, I know you're agreeing with that, even though you're saying it's a fair trade. But keep in mind, Giannis could walk to a team with cast base and you get nothing. Yes. Ben Simmons is the best possible consolation prize in the entire league. Out of all other 29 teams, the best consolation prize the Bucks would possibly get for the system is Ben Simmons. But that's why I'm saying it's a fair trade. Well, yeah, in that aspect, it's a fair trade because he's the best consolation prize. But the bigger half of this is Giannis would have to look at every team in the league and say... This team with Al Horford on the max contract and Tobias House on the max contract is the team I want to go to. He must want to play with Embiid really bad in order to go to that dysfunctional of an organization that's that fucked financially. But get rid of Al Horford. Well, Al Horford, I think, is gone this summer anyway. Yeah, and figuring... 
So figure, figure they get Al Horford for like Harrison Barnes. We need to get someone else that can shoot and handle the ball. So that would be beneficial to Giannis. And then, I mean, I don't know. Get rid of Tobias. I don't care. Do whatever you have to do to make this team. Because if you're trying to make this team. If you have Giannis and Embiid, you'll. No, but if you're trying to already, in the position we're in right now, build the team, you're building it to make it work for Ben Simmons right now. That's really what you're They're doing. not, because they're not surrounding him with shooters. But I'm saying, let's But they're say, not building it around Embiid because they signed another center. So let's say that they're trying to build it around and get more shooters and get in there and get people that can handle the ball. Let's say we get those people, okay? At the time where you would do the sign-in trade for Giannis, you would, and I'm just saying, you would ideally have those people there. You wouldn't have, like... Al Horford on the team. Yeah. So it, he wouldn't be walking into that situation. I mean, yeah, he's not going to come to our team as it is right if now. I'm the bu- if say? I'm the Bucks and I'm offered right now Ben Simmons for Giannis, I'm strongly considering because Ben Simmons' five-year extension is about to kick in next year. So you have Ben Simmons on contract for five years, Giannis could potentially walk. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Sixers and you have no guarantee that Giannis is going to resign, do you do that? And then if Giannis walks, you're just fucked and then you just build around Embiid? Yes, because hoping he, that he resigns. Because if he walks, then you have all that extra money. But they'll still be over the cap space because they still have three max contracts and Tobias, Horford, and Embiid, and but whoever they trade for. If Horford, yeah, they still don't have cap They're space. Still- so it's like that. The Sixers have the highest, the second highest luxury tax bill in NBA risk? history. Isn't that worth the risk? Though? I think it's worth the risk, especially because Ben Simmons and Embiid don't fit anyway. So God forbid you lose one of them. It's like. It sucks, but, like, you go for it. Look what happened with the Raptors with Kawhi. They traded DeMar DeRozan mm-hmm. and Jacopoto, and they it. won a championship with Kawhi. Do it. That's what I'm saying. That's what this would be. I mean, if you can't win a championship with Giannis and Embiid, like, what do you— The Sixers did it with Jimmy Butler, and they got fucked from it because they ended up using the money to re-sign Tobias and Horford. But you, have to but you had to take those risks. Yeah. But Giannis isn't on the same level of Jimmy Butler. As good as Jimmy Butler is. And Jimmy Butler just beat him, and I understand that. But, yeah, it's good. I think it makes more sense than what everyone else is talking about for where he's going. No one else has talked about, like, where Giannis is going to go like this. I haven't heard anyone else talk about this because they're just like, it's, it doesn't make sense. For him to go anywhere else other than what, like the Heat or Raptors? Those are the two teams, and everyone's saying, and Golden State. A lot of people are talking about Golden State makes a lot of sense. Golden State with that number two pick makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Or if they trade the number two pick with Wiggins for like a Bradley Beal, they still wouldn't have the cap space. I want to say then Bradley Beal's contract gets off, but the same thing as the Sixers, they have Steph, Clay, and Draymond on max contracts, mm-hmm. so they still don't have money. But if they keep the pick and they get a rookie that the Bucks wants, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, we'll give you Wiggins or Draymond, the number two pick, Jordan Poole, Eric Pascal, whatever else, to make it work. Now, also, teams don't really like trading within their conferences. That's a myth. 
Is that a myth or is that... Sixers traded with the Celtics twice, and I understand Sixers have poor management, but that's just that's just an example. Teams, teams like, teams like, teams like the Spurs, when they were trading Kawhi, they didn't want to trade Kawhi in conference. The Timberwolves, I'm sure, didn't want to trade Jimmy Butler in conference. So I guess with superstars it's true. Yeah. You'd rather get them out. But if you're a smart GM, you're taking the best offer on the table. Well, and Ben Simmons would be the best offer on the table. I'm just saying in general. No, like, but I'm just saying. Yeah. If you're a smart GM, which the Bucks GM is, John Horst is a very smart GM, you take the best offer. Well, also the Sixers are such a shit show that I do like to have fun there. Look at the Rockets and Thunder. They, yeah. they are the second and third best GMs. Sam Presti and Dallas Moy are the second and third best GMs in the NBA, in my opinion. And they flipped Russell Westbrook and Chris well, Paul in picks. Well, I guess when it comes down to it, too, if you trade, like... Outside of your conference, and that that team could end up playing you in the championship. Yeah, but you're playing them twice a year instead of four times a year, and but the I, it's I just the like, you play the odds. But I feel like it all just like ends up in whatever place it's going to be in anyway. Okay, next we've already are going over an hour, so we still have a few more topics I want to talk about. So we're going to move on from this. Chris Paul trades. I think the Bucs are going to make a strong push for Chris Paul this summer to try to appease Giannis and make him want to stay there because clearly he needs a second piece and Chris Middleton isn't it. So it is like Eric Bledsoe, Ilsan Ilyasova, whatever salary filler. Eric Bledsoe and salary filler plus draft picks and like Dante DiVincenzo. Does that get it done for OKC? Because OKC already has, what is it, I think 12 picks in the next... Well, I don't think they definitely want to, but the thing is they have, I think, they got six first-round picks for Paul George, they got two for Chris Paul, they got one for Jeremy Grant this offseason. How long does they have on Three more years. Because I'm And they have their own first-round picks, so they have like 12 first-round picks in the next six years. I'm wondering if they hold off on trading him one year. But, then, but that's just another year where Shea Gilgis-Alexander Shea doesn't get to run yeah. the offense. And he doesn't get to be the point guard of the team. Mm-hmm. So I think if they can, they trade Chris Paul this summer. And yeah, they get Eric Bledsoe and whatever Sally Filler to make it work. And with Dante DiVincenzo and probably two or three first-round picks. The Bucks, that's a somewhat enticing offer. I think it's more enticing than what the Sixers would be able to offer. The Sixers will link to Chris Paul as well. Um, the Lakers will link to Chris Paul, and the Lakers have nothing to give because they gave all the draft picks to get Anthony Davis. So well, unless unless OKC just wants to get off money, take Danny Green and Caldwell Pope and just salary match for guys that are going to be off the books the following year, then all of a sudden maybe... That could be a smart move for OKC, though. It might be, because they're letting Gallinari walk this summer, I'd imagine. Steven Adams would walk the following year, so they might just want to get off the salary. That would actually be a really smart move. Yeah. And then LeBron gets But the box they have Eric they have Eric Bledsoe under contract, I think, for three years, for fifteen million a year, but then other than that, everyone else is gone. So they could do that. Sixers would have to give Tobias R. Horford on that Horde contract to get Chris Paul. And in order to do that, they probably have to give up the twenty first pick in the draft, a future first, and probably Matisse Leibel in order to get Chris Paul. And I don't know if I want to do that as much as I want to get rid of Horford and I just know I want Chris Paul bad. I just don't know if that's the price to pay you for a thirty five year old. Our team, they come Players coming to Philly out. in general, not just Sixers. That happened with the Eagles with Nandi Asamoah. They come here to end their careers, and I know Chris Paul coming off such a hot season like this because we thought when he was playing with the Rockets, like I remember you saying that he was going to be like, oh, he finally aged. And 
And then he went to OKC and he got MVP votes this year. Yes. And well, he's going to get MVP he votes. Come to Philly and get a career-ending injury, or he'd just be old, or like something, or he'd just suck. I just and think the Sixers need guys who can shoot and dribble. Chris Paul, no matter how old he is, will be able to shoot no, and will be able to dribble. Even if he slows down, loses a step, I he'll still be able to do that. I, I agree with you, but I think we'd end up getting. I think Sixers, Sixers are so fucked with. They have two of the five worst contracts in the league and Horford and Tobias right now. Or at least it look like that. Maybe Horford just can't play with Embiid and Horford isn't washed. Because Horford was good last year. So, but it looks like two of the five worst contracts in the league. I think Sixers are so fucked. Chris Paul is someone you just have to gamble on and hope that he figures it out. I disagree with that. But I think the Bucs are going to make a strong push for Chris Paul to pair him with Giannis this year. So, that's, some, that. that's something that I'm predicting in my mock offseason. I do predict Al Horford getting traded to, like, the Mavs or the Kings or someone this year. But I do think Chris Paul will end up in Milwaukee to try to make one year a one-year run with Giannis to the championship and convince Giannis to stay. But I think a 35-year-old point guard isn't going to sway Giannis to stay unless he wins a championship. If they trade for Chris Paul, then all of a sudden they win the championship, I think Giannis sticks around now they got his ring. But I think if... They get Chris Paul, make a run to the conference finals or the finals, and then lose. Giannis is going to look say, this guy's 35 years old. He's only going to get worse. I'm out still. Mm-hmm. Conference finals, who wins, Miami or Boston? Miami. S- I think Miami, too. I think they're on a roll. I mean, Boston. I but Boston, Boston has what? Three of the five best players in the series, I guess. Magic with like who they have on their team right now, and also going off of um, the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, that'd be so boring having the Lakers Celtics. That's so boring. It's been they played each other in the championship like eighteen times, it's so it was so boring, boring every other time. It's but so boring. We can't have this like crazy weird twenty twenty year and then just have Lakers Celtics. That's so not twenty twenty. I mean, Lakers Heat isn't like super exciting either, but I would. I think that the Heat this year with Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson flying, flying off screens with so Danny cool. Green covering them, and so you think the Lakers are coming? To- <laughs> well, if it's not, if not, then it's Patrick Beverly or Kawhi or Paul George, all great wing defenders. What about the Nuggets? Clippers or Nuggets? Who wins Game Seven tomorrow? Nuggets won two in a row. Clippers blew a 16-point lead in back-to-back games. I think it's going to be the Nuggets, and I think the Lakers... Let me see what the spread on the I game is. I'm interested. I think the Lakers are going to demolish them. I think it's going to be a cakewalk. I think the Clippers... Better teams typically win game seven, and the Clippers are just so much... have so much more talent than them. I think that it's... Oh, shit. Game one for Heat and Celtics tomorrow, too. I forgot. Yeah, Clippers are seven and a half point favorites, so odds are Clippers are going to win. Well, yeah, but. I figured odds are that they're gonna win, but I still think that it is going to be the Nuggets going off of our weird. And then who would win if it were if it's Nuggets Lakers? You said Lakers would win. If it's Clippers Lakers, that's a hell of a Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. That'd be so bad. And that's what I hope for. I'm rooting against Denver just because I want to see that series. Yeah. That series would be better than the championship. Well, Heat Lakers would be good though. Heat Lakers would be good. It'd be better than last year when Golden State had nobody playing. They'd be good, but the Lakers and Clippers would be phenomenal. But the Clippers have been playing really, really poorly. 
Well, the main reason Clippers have been playing poorly, this is my last point. I think we both agree that the Lakers are going to win it all, and I think we both agree that we want the Lakers, and we're rooting for the Lakers to win it all. Yeah, I want LeBron to win. LeBron would be the second guy ever to win three championships on three teams, but he'd be the first guy to win three finals MVPs on three teams. Do you know who the only other guy is to win three finals on three three different teams? You've heard of him. I I think you've heard of him, but I don't think you'll like you'll ever be able to guess him. So. Well, thanks. Robert Ory. Oh, yeah. He won with the Lakers, he won with the Rockets, and he won with the Spurs. He's the only and he's like a ro- And he's a role player. But Danny Green would also do it. So I'm saying Robert Ory's a role player. Danny Green would also win with the Spurs, the Raptors, and the Lakers. So Danny Green and LeBron would both be um, the second and third guys ever to win three championships on three teams. And assuming they win and LeBron wins finals MVP, LeBron would be the first guy to ever win three finals MVPs with three different teams. Wow. Which, does that, is that a detriment to his legacy? That, oh, he had to do it on three different teams? No. Jordan did, Jordan did it all on one team? I think it's more impressive to do it on three different and, teams because you're having... And the Lakers were fucking terrible for eight years before he went there. I understand he forced Anthony Davis three there. Three different coaches, you're having three different teams of players. So it's showing that you're not just playing well because you're... In a good system and like the pieces around you are working, you're showing that you can take whatever pieces you have around you and make it into a championship team. And, I think that's insane. And LeBron's never had dynamite coaches. You would think Jordan had Phil Jackson all those years, who's probably the best coach ever. Mm-hmm. LeBron had, aside from the four years in Miami with Spolstro, he's had Mike Brown and David Blatt and Ty Lue. And now he's Frank Vogel. He has okay coaches, but he's never had a dynamite coach outside of Spolstra. Because he's the coach. He's the floor general. Yes. Not the coach. But my final point with the Clippers is Montrezl Harrell for the series is a minus 26 for the series. Uh-huh. You're the sixth man of the year. You're playing against... I understand you play 30 minutes a game. You're playing against bench players. Mm-hmm. He... Missed all eight games in the bubble that they played because the death of his grandma. He came back just in time for the playoffs. Clearly, he's still shaking off rust because he hasn't played basketball in seven months. But you got to be better, bro. You're about to go to the conference finals. He's a minus 26 playing the majority of his minutes against bench players. He got benched last game because they, they blew back-to-back 16-point leads when he was on the floor. And they had to put Zubac back in. That's because bad. he can't defend Jokic, because he can't defend the perimeter. But playing better. he's playing better than he was, but like he's still not playing that great. It's Kawhi. Same thing I was last year. Kawhi was way more dominant last year compared to what he was this year, but he had a much larger role. He didn't have Lou Will averaging twenty points a game, and Paul George averaging mm-hmm. twenty points a game. But Mantras how? No, I think the Nuggets could beat them. I'm, I'm definitely betting Denver plus seven and a half. I think Denver is at least done that. If is playing like himself, then they'll easily win. Montrezl Howell, his thing is he can't defend Jokic on the perimeter, but he can't defend the rim either. So, like, what do you do with him for so a big perfect, a big man who can't defend? So it's the perfect matchup for the Nuggets. Yeah. It, but Doc Rivers is smart. Doc Rivers might just say, Trez, you're playing 15 minutes to spell Zubac. But they went, they went in, in crunch time last night. They played Jermichael Green at the five. Jermichael Green's a stretch four who's way more mobile than either Zubac or. So I would imagine Jermichael Green having a great game tomorrow night. So it's going to see Jermichael Green's going to coach Doc is. 
well, we know Doc's a great coach. But Montres Harrell's playing like he's been playing. But he has to make good decisions to yeah. figure out how to win. So, my last thought is I originally had Montres Harrell signing with the Charlotte Hornets this summer in my mock offseason that I started. I haven't finished it, so that's why I haven't released a pot on it. And this is a reason why I haven't released it yet. Because Montres Harrell's losing millions and millions and millions of dollars each game that he plays poorly in front of the other 29 GMs that are watching him. I don't think it's a mental thing. I just think he's a big man that can't play defense. And as I said to you earlier today, unless you're Carl Anthony Towns, unless you're Nikola Jokic and you're a big man that can't defend the rim, there's really not a spot for you in the NBA. Um, like, look at guys like Jalil Okafor. He was supposed to be great, but he wasn't able to play defense whatsoever. And now he became not even a role player because of it and is a huge bust. But when you look at guys like... And the exceptions are Carl Anthony Towns and Nikola Jokic are because Carl Anthony Towns is the best shooting big man ever and Nikola Jokic is the best passing big man ever. So that's why they're the exceptions to the rule. But look at every other big man. Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid, all defensive player of the year candidates. Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, fuck Rashawn Holmes. <laughs> but Rashawn Holmes is a starting center for a team, that a young team that plays up-tempo with De'Aaron Fox because he's the yeah. fastest player in the league that predicates on speed, not on defense. Yeah. So that's why he's thriving in that system. Well, yeah, they'd never work if they were a contending team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing, but is that Montrose Howell, I think teams are going to look at him and say, shit, like a team like the Knicks, who already fucked up signing Julius Randle to a two-year $40 million deal. No, I think the Knicks were going to sign. I thought the Knicks were going to throw $80 million at Van Vliet and $80 million at Montrose Howell and say, this is what we're building around, Van Vliet and Montrose Howell. But now, as they see, we fucked up signing Julius Randle, signing him to $20 million a year. We don't want to make the same mistake with Montrose Harrell. A big man who could average 20 points a game. Are the Knicks going to think like that? Well, the Knicks now have World Wide West as their executive. And we know he was Joel Embiid's agent. He was a huge player agent. Yeah, So he, he's Yeah, he's going to be a completely different decision maker than they've had in the past. The Knicks cleaned house. Something the Sixers need to do. So... I think they're gonna. I think if it's not the Raptors that Van Vliet signs with, I think it's clearly the next. Maybe the Pistons. If the Pistons want to throw twenty-five million dollars a year of Van Vliet, but for Van Vliet to say, "Hey, I'll be the face of a team in Madison Square Garden," that'll be very tempting for him to do. Oh, I totally just went off subject, going way back to the beginning of something we didn't touch on. Okay. Kylo and Ben Simmons have the same agent. That's just, and that made me think of... Yeah, and as we know, Clutch tends to keep guys together. Um, LeBron and Anthony Davis are both represented by Clutch. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is represented by Clutch. And that makes me surprised that Ty ended up not signing as a Lakers coach because he's also represented by Clutch. But yeah, Rich Paul is known to keep it in the family and keep guys together. So Ben Simmons probably would be advocating for Ty but that's another move the Sixers would make in Ben Simmons' favor rather than Joel Embiid's favor. And Ben Simmons doesn't have the same loyalty to the Sixers that Joel Embiid has. Joel Embiid, if the Sixers play the cards right, will play his entire career for the Sixers. I don't think he will because no player does that anymore. But if it's up to Embiid, I think he plays whole career in Philly. Ben Simmons, I think the second his rookie deals up, or even before that if he requests a trade, he's going to want to be in L.A. Yeah, So I think Sixers need to start catering to Joel Embiid rather than Ben Simmons. And that might be a reason to... Um, not Hayotalo. Yes. 
But in the end, I had Montrez Howell signing with the Hornets. Um, I think I had him getting $72 million, four years, $18 million a year. And now the Hornets have the third pick. I have them projected to take James Wiseman with the third pick. So if they draft James Wiseman, they're not really going to need Montrez Howell nearly as much. They could throw that money at a wing instead of a center. So that's what I think they're going to do. The Clippers, I think the Clippers' decision is going to come down to do they want to sign Marcus Morris or do they want to sign Montrezl Howell? And with the way Montrezl Howell's been playing and given the fact they gave up a first-round pick to in order to trade for Marcus Morris, I think the priority is going to re-sign Marcus Morris because not he's a, I don't want to say he's a better fit, but I think he contributes more to them winning a championship and what they want to do as a complimentary piece than Montrezl Howell does. Montrezl Howell is a great energy big off the bench, but as I said, I think he's going to lose a lot of money in these playoffs. Unless he puts it together, they go to the conference finals or the finals, and he yeah. plays great, yeah. then teams are going to completely forget about the bad series he had against the Nuggets. And that's, that's conceivable because the Lakers are going to be playing Dwight and JaVale against him. And then the Celtics are either going to play Tice and the Raptors are going to have Marcus and Ibaka. So he could go back to playing low post, being that energizer big. get through this game. But I don't know why I just said the Raptors. I meant the Heat. It would be Bam Adebayo. I said Marcus and Ibaka. And you didn't even correct me. <laughs> I didn't even hear you. I was thinking of the Celtics and Raptors. Yeah, I was, my next point was that the Celtics and Raptors both went small in that series when Tice was in foul trouble. <laughs> Yeah. And Marcus Saul got played off the floor. Yeah. He was like a minus like 100 for the series. <laughs> so those guys might just play small, and then that will force Montrezl Howell to just not play. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It all depends. But if he gets a good series in the conference finals or finals, and he'll redeem those millions of dollars that he's losing currently. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks for listening, guys. I think this was the longest podcast yet. Um, upcoming, I'm going to preview the NBA Finals when that approaches, and then I'm going to do my mock draft and my mock offseason. When some more coaches are hired, we're going to talk about that. And hopefully, this might be my last episode until the bar exam. So wish me luck. And myself and my fiance, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening.